The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. This gospel lesson that we're going to read in a moment is no Sunday school lesson. It's not because of its violence. But this parable is as true to life as it gets. It's amazing. Please stand as we read our gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 21. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm not even sure why it crossed my mind, honestly. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit who moved me to do it. More likely, I was just bored of staring at Greek on a blinking computer screen. Whatever the reason, I decided to Google this phrase, famous parables of Jesus. And I also Googled it in Spanish, famosas Parabolas de Jesús. And what I found is a bunch of blogs and articles, mostly top 10 lists or top 5 lists, or there was even a top 12 list of Jesus' parables. And I, and I found some commonalities in all of the parables. You're probably thinking of the parables that are famous of Jesus right now. In the top two, it was always the same. They would kind of flip-flop places. Number one or number two was always 
the Good Samaritan. And right after that was the prodigal son, or right before that. Then after that came the parables that I think are the the feel-good parables, the ones that have sort of the Disney endings, like the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And then after that came, you know, among the contenders, like the parable of the sower and the parable of the talents, all parables that we know probably pretty well, at least by name. But you know what parable wasn't in any top 10 or top 5 or even top 12? This one. doesn't matter at all that the fact that this is one of the only parables that Matthew, Mark, Luke all record for us, and yet everybody ignores it. I did find it on one list this so-called parable of the wicked tenants. I found it on one list. It was a list in Spanish of 22 parables, and they were all ranked by popularity. People could actually vote for them. You know what number it was? 21 out of 22. So this is a parable that does not enter the conversation for most popular parables of Jesus, In fact, it enters the the conversation for least popular parables of Jesus. So this is what happens when people read this parable, when they hear this parable, maybe for the first time they never want to hear it again. Not us, though. So far in this sermon series, we have seen and heard the tale Remember the tale of the judge, the king, and the neighbor. And we've seen the parable of the father with the wide open heart. And now we're going to see the parable, the so-called parable of the wicked tenants. You know what's a common theme in all those parables? None of them are in the top five. Actually, none of them are in the top ten or even the top twelve of parables that the world wants to hear. In other words, what I'm telling you is Pastor Dave and I don't care what's famous or popular. And we're not here to tickle your ears and put butterflies in your stomach. We are here to bring you the word of the living God. And we are here to recount to you the secrets of the kingdom of God, the insanity of sin, and the insanity of God in the face of it. Are you ready for that today? If you are, then you're ready for this parable, because everybody's crazy in this parable. Everybody is off their rocker. Everybody is absolutely bonkers. Everybody would qualify for an insanity defense in court, because these tenants are off their rocker. Now, this is normally how it goes, right, when you pay the rent. A bad, a good tenant will pay the rent on time. A bad tenant will maybe pay the rent a little bit late. A really bad tenant will maybe not pay the rent at all. But an insane tenant will kill the person coming to collect. The rent. Because that's exactly what happens, right? The landowner sends the first wave of debt collectors. 
three of them to be exact. And what do these insane tenants do? They beat the one, they kill another, and they stone a third. Who does that? What tenant would do that? I mean, these guys, I think we could say this, are certifiable serial killers. Right? Well, the landowner, in the face of it, he decides to send even more servants than the last. And the same thing happens. You know what's happening then? The body count is starting to stack up a little bit. And then the landowner decides to do something else. He decides to send his only beloved son. And so these insane tenants ratchet up the insanity even more. And what they say to themselves is this. This is the heir. Come. Let's kill him and take his inheritance. Now, does that make any kind of sense at all? That the landowner, when he finds out, oh, my son is dead, is going to decide all of a sudden to give his vineyard to a bunch of serial killers. You think the landowner is going to wake up and hear the news and, and say to himself, my son's dead. I'm going to go to my lawyer right away tomorrow morning. We're going to change my last will and testament, and I'm going to give this inheritance to my son's killers. That doesn't make any sense at all, does it? I mean, this is the insanity of sin playing out. And it's playing out all the time. What do you think? Did Bernie Madoff really think that he'd get away with it? He beat Bill millions, billions of dollars from people and nobody would ever find out. That's insane to think that. Or did, do you think that Anthony Weiner, you know, Anthony Weiner, did he think that nobody was going to get a hold of that photo? And that's just crazy to think about but we could even bring this to the level of our own lives. I mean, kids, do you really think it's a good idea to cheat on a spelling test when you need to learn how to spell? Or like the young people today, do you really think it's a good idea to swipe right to find a long-lasting Christian relationship? Or... You know, married people, do you really think it's a good idea to yell at each other or give each other the silent treatment? Somehow that's going to resolve things. It's insane. You know, there's a, an old pastor friend that I have, and he said this about sin. He said, sin is stupid. It is, right? It's always stupid. I mean... Why would you go against the holy will of God when all God wants is something good for us? And so when you go against God's will, all your being is insane. 
You know who's even more insane in the parable, though? The landowner. We can see that, right? I mean, he's absolutely bonkers. I could forgive him for the, the first time. You, you know, the first time he just sends the servants to collect the rent. And they get beat up, and they get killed, and they get stoned. But I can't forgive him the second time. I can't because when you do something and expect the same result, every, a different result after doing the same thing, that's the very definition, right, of insanity. At least the popular one. And so his second time, he says to himself, you know, I'm going to send even more servants this time. Maybe it's going to turn out differently. And they get killed, and they get stoned, and they get beaten. But then his insanity ratches up to the highest climactic level. And I want you to see his reasoning. He says this. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. Will they respect his son? Will serial killers who are counting up the body count all of a sudden respect this guy's son? Are they all of a sudden going to stop being serial killers and start respecting the landowner's only beloved son? And yet the landowner, he can't help himself. He, he can't help himself, and so he sends his beloved son, and lo and behold, look what happens. They kill him. That's insane what he did. There's no other word for it. I mean, this is the patience of the landowner in full view. This is a patience that could only be described as divine. This is a patience and a long-suffering landowner that can only be described as bonkers. Now, I want to critique the landowner with you in, in three ways today. This is what the landowner should have done to avoid this whole situation. First of all, you're a landowner, you know this. Run a credit check. And after you've run the credit check, run a background check. Because guys like these, right? Guys like these don't just start killing overnight. They've been doing it for a long, long time. And the landowner could have just avoided the whole situation by running a background check. Second of all, this is what the landowner should have done when they didn't pay the rent. He should have started immediately eviction proceedings. You agree with that? He should have, upon hearing the news, not only started eviction proceedings, 
but he should have called the cops, or at least the government, whatever form of government that was there. And then, you know what he should have done, and this is the third critique that I have of him. He should have been more awesome. He should have. I mean, he should have done shock and awe. He should have sent soldiers in armed to the gills. But what does he do instead? He sends humble servants with just the words in their mouth. That's it. I mean, these are the secret ways of the kingdom of God. They are subversive. They are backwards. They don't make any kind of sense at all, but thanks be to God that our God, the God who gave us everything, is insane for us. He's out of his mind crazy for you because you know what? He doesn't do background checks. And he doesn't do credit checks, does he? Because who would get to go in the vineyard then? God doesn't, he doesn't, you know, take out his all-seeing eye, that red eye, and say, that person's divorced. Uh-uh. Or that person's life looks a little bit too X-rated for me. He's out. Or that person, you know, wasn't such a good parent. I'm not letting them into my vineyard either. God doesn't do background checks. You know what he does instead? He seals our records. He puts them away so that no one can ever see them again with the blood of his own son. You know what God also doesn't do? He doesn't start eviction proceedings immediately when we don't pay the rent. Isn't that crazy? He doesn't. He lets us stay in the vineyard. You know what he does? He says, instead, he sends these humble servants. Some of them are tall and thin and have more hair on their face than their head. Others of them sometimes have a mustache and sometimes don't. There's a common theme here. We're talking about hair. And he sends them to beg and to plead and to say, please pay the rent to the God who gave you everything. These are the ways of the kingdom of God, the secret, insane, backwards ways. So, there is only one sane thing to do, just one in the face of all of this insanity. Here's what we're going to do. Here's step one. We're going to sign that lease. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you don't have to put down a deposit. He's not going to run a background check on you. We're going to sign that lease because this is a piece of property that you're not going to want to miss out on. Trust me. This is a piece of property that is not owned by some kind of slumlord. This is a piece of property that's been worked. 
There are grapes planted there. There is a wine press. There is a watchtower and a beautiful wall around it. I mean, this is the Hudson Valley. This is the Napa Valley. And if you get to sign that lease, that's better than getting that rent-controlled apartment in Manhattan. Sign the lease. Here's step number two. Work the land. God gives us mission, and he gives us purpose in life to tend to the things around us. And that's God's gift to us, to give us something to do so that we don't have to watch soap operas in the afternoon. Work the land. And here's step number three, and this is the part that I skip a lot, maybe you do too. When it comes time to harvest, clink your glasses together. Have a glass of wine. And when you do that, give all the thanks and praise to the vineyard owner. Say to him, dear Lord Jesus, thank you. You didn't check my credit or my background, because if you did, but you invited me into your vineyard, and here I am enjoying its wonderful fruits. Oh, the insanity of it all, of God and Christ. Amen. Thank you.